Back from the holiday weekend, hello Texans, and welcome into NRG Stadium for the show that gets you plugged in with your Houston Texans, Texans All Access. I'm Mark Vandermeer with John Harris tonight. we got a great show for you. Jermaine Kelly, a forgotten man maybe to some in the cornerback classroom, but don't overlook him. Drafted last year, we're going to catch up with him in segment number two tonight. A little bit later on down the line, plenty of stuff going on around the league, including a bluff job to get on the Browns roster. And I'll tell my job bluff story from early in my career. We'll do that. Johnny, happy return from the holiday weekend. And we've got some things to discuss, don't we? We do. Are we going to Are we going to talk about 99 getting engaged? Is that going to be a, a focal point in the show? No, it's not. Okay, good. But congratulations yes, to JJ. Congratulations to him. I mean, did the Houston Dash tweet anything out about the bride? They must have. They no, must have. No, she did an interview today. Oh, she, she did? She was at the podium today. Oh, very so cool. So I'm sure she went up to the podium and it was asked. All right. Yeah, of course. And J.J., I, will he be at the podium tomorrow when the team has coverage know. on OTAs? Oh, I, he was it, last week, though, right? So I don't know if he'll be up there this week. No, he wasn't week. up there last week. Oh, he wasn't? No, he didn't practice. He oh, didn't he, he didn't practice, so he wasn't up there. Hmm. Okay. So maybe, maybe. If he does or doesn't. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Look, I like the um, the engagement stuff. Great. Congratulations. Yeah. I mean, I, I expected that to happen. I don't want to say point. it was, uh, you know, you know, foregone conclusion, but yeah. I, I, it just felt it was going to happen. The way he talked about her a year ago right. when he was coming back from the injury and how she took care of him. She's a nurturer, Johnny. Yes. She's a nurturer. That's big. That's Guys, get yourself a nurturer yes. if you can. Yes, and uh, she's a very good athlete. So at some point, they're going to create bionic kids. They are. They're going to create bionic kids. Uh, the The video he posted a brief video of him, the, them, not really featuring any one of them, but yeah. he was making breakfast, and you saw the water and the it place they were staying amazing. was insanely <laughs> nice. Amazing. But you know, if you're what, uh, you know, why not go to someplace insanely nice? Yeah, all right. So anyway. Uh, yeah, that's it. Congratulations. Gonna, that, congratulations to J.J. Uh, we mentioned Jermaine Kelly on the show tonight. Now, Bart Starr passes over the weekend. Yeah. 85 years old. I know that you grew up as a Packer fan. I did. I did, yeah. And, and so Bart going, I want to hear about that a little bit more, but Bart, I think the, the big note to a lot of fans as it relates to today's game is is that he still holds on to the all-time quarterback rating in the postseason in the history of the National Football League. And, John, I was surprised about this. I I feel like I knew this, but I forgot it. And then when you hear it now, you're like, really? In today's day and age? Because QBRs are way up. Yeah. Way up. I mean, this is it's like the Dow Jones. You know, mm-hmm. it just goes up over time. Yeah. Yet, Starr has the all-time best mark, and he played in 10 playoff games. He's 9-1 and all-time in the postseason, and he put up really, like, not insane volume of numbers, but really efficient numbers, touchdowns to interceptions, which is the key element of quarterback rating, and also yards per attempt, which he was way over 8. Yeah. The only loss, how about this? The only loss was in 1960 to Philadelphia Eagles. Doesn't matter all that much, right? Right. What was historic about that day? Mm. It's the last time that any player has ever played both ways in a championship game. Ooh, Chuck Bednarik played center and middle linebacker. In 1960 in the NFL in championship game. In 1960 in the championship game. And he tackled Jim Taylor about 10 yards short of the end zone with no timeouts, and he laid on Jim Taylor until the clock ran out of Franklin Field, which I always felt an honor to play at Franklin Field when we played Penn because that game – 
you know, took place oh, there. Yeah. The Eagles used to play their games there at Franklin Field. And Chuck Benerick played both ways in that game. That's the only one a star lost. He lost the very first one and then nine nine after that. When when I was growing up, Mark, he he was he was the coach of the Packers. Yeah. So that was my first introduction. Like I, I knew of him as Coach Star, but then my dad teaching me the history of the game and the history of the Packers. And my dad grew up in a time frame. He grew up in the sixties, went went to the ice bowl. Was a college student went to the Your ice. Your dad bowl. was at the ice bowl. My dad was at the ice That's bowl. That's too cool. Um, and so, oh, pardon the pun. Yeah, that was pretty good though. Yeah. So my dad took me to Packers games and taught me all about the Packers and all about the '60s Packers. And you know, I used to be kind of like a like a uh, you know a, a trick that he could bring. I he was like a magician. He'd bring me out for a trick, and he he'd get all his friends around me. All right. Give me the '66 Packers lineup, and I would be over there going, well, "Star quarterback and Jimmy Taylor at fullback." Oh, you and must I would have go been through ridiculous. the whole thing. John know? Harris as a little kid. We need a skit. Oh, we need a it, kid to play you. I I had all these <laughs> trivia books, and so I learned I learned a lot about the '60s Packers yeah. through my dad. So I knew of Bart Starr as the player, and then as the coach. And he, he was just so revered in Green Bay because he was everything that Green Bay was about. You know, Green Bay about family and you know just the community and how close knit it was. And he was a seventeenth seventeenth round draft pick, seventeen rounds of the NFL draft. And he really wasn't a player until Lombardi came mm-hmm. around in in uh, in fifty nine, fifty nine, nineteen fifty nine. Lombardi gets there, he makes star of the guy. And I was funny. I I met him in two thousand nine, and it was one of the greatest moments I've had as a just as a sports fan, anything that doesn't revolve around, you know, faith, family, whatever the case might be, it's one of my greatest moments because he's so revered in Green Bay. And as a as a kid in Green Bay, it's like you know the '60s Packers. That's I it. I mean, it, that's it, everything. And so I met him at the Lombardi Awards. It was the 40th anniversary. I think it was the 40th anniversary, and uh, the the two, um, uh, what do you call it? The the two people that ran the event for the Lombardi Award wanted to really kind of make a splash. And so they wanted to get Jerry Kramer and they wanted to get Bart Starr to speak. And so we got Jerry Kramer the day before to come out with us. And he came out with Sean and I for like an hour. And it was just incredible. Oh, sure. Jerry Kramer's great. I, and I was just like, well, Bart's going to be speaking. So we were going to be doing the show at Lombardi Awards. And we thought maybe let's – man, maybe we can get him on radio. Oh, I just want to meet him, you know. This would be so cool. And so we were talking to Jerry Kramer, and we were asking him about Bart, knowing that Bart was coming in. And he said, Bart Starr was the only human being I've ever known to tell Vince Lombardi he was wrong Mm. and not die. (laughs) And so he said that was what what Bart could do, is that Lombardi would be chastising a player for something, and Bart would say, Coach, you're wrong. This is what happened on that play. And then Bart would take the slings and arrows from Lombardi for those particular players, and that's why the players love playing for him. So we're doing the show, and David Nuno, who is now at ABC 13, was was with us, and we were on the air, and David said, hey, Bart's here. I'm going to go see if I can get him for you guys for radio. We're like, oh, yeah, yeah, awesome. So he goes in, he gets, and it's taken David a little while. And about uh, 25, 30 minutes later, he comes over and he goes, hey, Bart agreed to do it. And we're like, oh, cool. So, Bart comes over. We don't think much of it. We introduce ourselves. He sits down. And usually, Sean would bring the show back from break. But Sean was like, hey, since it's Bart, you do it. I was yeah, like, yeah. Okay. You're a guy. So, I essentially introduce him, Bart Starr, 
Coach Starr. I tell him how I'm a, I'm a kid from Marinette, Wisconsin. Grew up knowing everything about the Packers. Grew up as you as my coach, Bart. It's a real honor to for you to be here. And when I said Marinette, Wisconsin, he kind of peaked up. So we does, he does the interview, and he's fantastic. He spends maybe 10 to 12 minutes with us, and he's just as, as great. He goes into everything. We ask him about the ice bowl. He tells us about the conversation he had with Lombardi on the sidelines. I'm just I'm like eating it up. So a little, he leaves. We get to a break, and David comes over and goes, hey, man, that was really cool. And I was like, yeah, man, thanks for going to get him. He goes, he didn't want to do it. And David said he kind of had to talk him into it, and he was yeah. like, yeah, he's very reluctant. And he said, but when you, talking about me, we're talking about growing up watching him and being from Marinette, Wisconsin, it was like that's when he clicked on like, hey, this isn't just two guys doing radio in Houston. And he's 75 or something at this point yeah. when so, you're talking to him. So he, he kind of locked in at that point, and then he was, he was awesome. I mean, he was so, it was so cool. And I wish I, wish I would have taken a picture with him. I wish I would have had that. But, you know, he had to move on. We still had to finish the radio, so he kind of moved on and didn't have a chance yeah, to. Yeah, it's one of those deals. But he spoke at the Lombardi Awards that night, and he was just awesome. I mean, he, I could have listened to him for 45 minutes, but we had kind of had to move along with the program. And, and Dominic Sue ended up winning the Lombardi Award that night. But he was, just, he was just awesome. And for a kid that grew up watching him, it was uh, watching him as a coach and then knowing him as a great player to meet him and mm-hmm. to talk with him and to talk with him on radio and for him to have that reaction is something that I said was something, you know, it's one of those memories you'll have for, for such a long time. And, look, we've been around this business now for, for a while. We've met some of the, the greats in the game, you know, in this building. I mean, we've, we've, we've been on the field and, and watched Peyton Manning and Tom Brady and we've got J.J. Watt and Deshaun Watson and DeAndre Hopkins in our locker rooms and those kind of things. Meeting Bart Starr was one of those moments where it was still kind of like, whoa. You know, that's like, great. Like we can meet, you can meet people now, and you go, okay, th- this is pretty cool. I'm meeting James Harden, or I'm meeting, mm-hmm. you know, Daryl Morey, or, or whomever. You're meeting a, a big figure in sports. No, I always say it's the people that you were fans of before you were in the business that Those, really moved that's, you. That's the one. Drew was talking today about how he met Larry Durker the other day at HEB, and I had that moment too, <laughs> and that kind of got me thinking about about Bart Starr, thinking just meeting him and talking to him on the radio and how cool that was. And my dad has told that story now. My dad had moved back to Wisconsin and has told that story about me and interviewing Bart and how cool that was. And so he tells that story, and I think it's pretty cool. So when we go up to Green Bay, I may wear my a, a number 15 jersey on the sidelines, Mark. How about Lombardi's old house went for sale a few weeks ago, went yeah. on the market for, yeah. I think, around 500000 or something, or maybe four. Which is a pretty significant number in Green Bay. That's got to be in Green Bay. And it's not a very a elaborate Bay. house, mm-hmm. but it's got to be a significant number. He had a basement, though, yeah. where he used to host all those parties, right? Yeah, and he let, game. he let Steve Sable come in and film it Yeah, after the ice bowl. That's, you know, that's the first hard knocks, really. Yes. And the one thing that Sable did or got Lombardi to say is that, hey, we need to come back because they practice harder when the cameras are around. Right. And I know that that's one thing that Ken Rogers, who's the executive producer of Hard Knocks, yeah. he says that to the coaches today. <laughs> you know what Lombardi point. said? Yeah. That's his big selling line right there. They'll practice harder if the cameras are rolling. Well, we'll see about that maybe. Uh, but I, I know that the players have to be aware of it, clearly. They, they, they don't like it in the meeting rooms, right. but out on the practice field, it's got to give you a little juice. I can imagine what that was like. Nowadays, there's nowhere that you go that you are that you're safe from some video 
wherever yeah. you are. Yeah. But back then in 1968 or late 1967, and you're down in the, his basement, which is not huge. It's probably a third the size of this, and there are cameras all around. I can only imagine what that must have been like, but Lombardi seemed to be okay with it. And that, um, and it's just those names, Lombardi and Star, so synonymous with Green Bay that we'll be playing in the first game in Lambeau after Bart's passing is going to is going to be it's going to be pretty wild. It's going to oh, be I very think it's, wild. It's great to be up there. They'll be up there for a few days yep. practicing against the Packers and then play the game. I'm really looking forward to that trip. To me, that trip is as close to because Soldier Field just doesn't have it anymore. Yep. That field, Lambeau Field, that area is as close to NFL Hall of Fame with a current team playing there that you can get the Pro Football Hall of Fame. The Pro Football Hall of Fame is great, but no current team plays there. Lambeau is the closest thing to that that you can get. You should, you know, I know the Chicago people are saying, well, Chicago, please. You know, first of all, you were the Decatur Staley's while the Packers were the Packers. Yeah, the Agni Packers. And and we probably need to find a way to do one of our all-access shows from the Packers Hall of Fame. I think we will. That place is cool. I think we will. I went to that place as a kid. When my mom would ask me where I wanted to go on my birthday, mm-hmm. I was like, I want to go to the Packer Hall of Fame. I want to go to Green Bay. Oh, I want to go to the Packer that's Hall great. Fame. That's yeah. great. That's where, that's where we would go. Mm-hmm. I don't know where the pictures are, but we would go. And that was you know, back in the you know, early 80s, and the Packers were not doing all that well, but they still had all of the great stuff from the 60s Packers. And, you know, so I was kind of in between eras, mm-hmm. if you will. But I thought it- Lynn Dickey. Lynn, yeah, Lynn Dickey was the quarterback and put up some numbers. Lynn Dickey threw he the rock. put up some numbers. John Jefferson? When John Jefferson was traded for, mm-hmm. I cried. I really? cried in happiness. I cried. I never cried Got in from happiness. the San Diego Chargers. I, I remember falling off the couch. I remember hearing it on Monday Night Football, and I was like, John Jefferson's a Packer? John yep. Jefferson? I, I freaked out. He and James Lofton, they put up some numbers. Oh, absolutely. They put up some numbers. That That was... Now they couldn't stop anybody. Did Forrest Gregg replace Star? Trying to remember, who. he was there at some point. He was, and he was. I know Lindy Infante was one oh, of the. Oh yeah, Lindy he was there Fonte. one at one point. Dan Devine was. Before. That's right, Dan Devine, because he left Notre Dame and he couldn't give Rudy the game day jersey. Darn it! Um, Forrest Gregg at the Packers from eighty four to eighty seven. Yeah, so he he did he. He replaced Bart Starr. Okay. There so right. Bart Starr, Forrest Gregg, and then Lindy Infante, and then Mike Holmgren. All right. Coming up, we've got a Texans cornerback on the show, Jermaine Kelly. We also have the all-time best quarterback ratings. Because Starr, this brought quarterback rating to the forefront of my brain okay. since he has the all-time playoff passer quarterback rating. I want to get into the best quarterback-rated games in the history of this franchise and a bunch of other stuff going on around the league. It's Texans All Access. Right across the hall from the locker room, it's Texans All Access. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. Well, the Texans have some new faces in the secondary, and new to some, but not to the guys in the room, or most of them, will be Jermaine Kelly. He was drafted in the seventh round of 2018, but got hurt, never made his way out of the playing field for the Texans. But he's rare to go in year two. So it's a redshirt year for him. We'll find out how he's going to do soon enough. Johnny and I visited with him and talked about what he learned during the year of recovery. I learned about being patient. You know, uh, of course, I wanted to be out there with my brothers. Uh, really, I feel like I can contribute. Um, coaches thought so as well. 
Uh, it wasn't in the cars this year, so I had to sit back and listen and learn. I took a bunch of notes. I was in every meeting. I was attentive, and um, I think it's going to be a big year this year. Jermaine, one of the things that I remember talking to you right after the draft, and Mark and I talked to you, and I remember we got done with our phone call with you, and I turned to Mark and I was like, that dude loves football. Like Absolutely. It's very evident how much you love the game. Did you get a little bit more of an appreciation or gain appreciation for it because it was sort of taken from you last year? Absolutely. That you, you couldn't have said it no better. Um, I definitely felt like, you know, you never know what you have until it's gone. Uh, it made me realize and appreciate, you know, everything I had in front of me. And um, I wouldn't say I took it for granted, but I can definitely say that now I've saw things differently and I move differently now. So, um, you know, again, I'm just thankful to be here. Uh, I'm thankful that the coaches, you know, they saw what they saw in me to keep me. Um, and, uh, man, I can't wait. It's well, gonna be awesome. it's going to be super competitive because you, oh, you yeah. lost some guys at your position group, but you gained some guys as well, right. draft and free agents, whatever. So what do you make of the room? Because I know that the DBs were so tight last year, usually oh, yeah. are, but extremely tight last year. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, and Joe is doing a good job of keeping us tight. Um, so, you know, but we do a good job of not only just, it's not, you know, it's a competition, but we still love everybody in there. You know, we bring all the guys up, Lonnie. You know, everybody's everybody's a good guy in there. So it's not really like, a, oh, I'm not going to talk to him kind of thing, you know. So I, I think, you know, and th- those guys, they love football too, so they want to learn too. So we're all in the kind of sense like just trying to come up together and just trying to be the best we can be. And I, I like that type of environment, you know. So uh, I, I love everything about it. And, you know, the guys in there are cool. Coach Midges is really, really cool. So – you know, we got a good room. Jermaine, for people that haven't had a chance to see you play, and unfortunately last year they didn't get to see you play, and we'd have liked to have seen you play. We saw you for a little bit at the Greenbrier before you got hurt, which is unfortunate. But what will they see in training camp, being here in Houston? What will they see when you step on the field at training camp? You'll see an explosive, uh, physical, uh, just running around like I don't get tired. You know, I just feel like, uh, you know, what I bring to the table is, is special. And – um I, you know, not to toot my own horn or anything, but uh, I'm, I just plan on doing less talking, a lot more playing. You know, I didn't play, so, you know, I got a lot to show, and I can't wait. You know, I'm not really, you know, trying to really talk so much about it. Yeah, it's, it's time now to just do it. You yeah. know, so uh, I can't wait for that. We talked about Jonathan Joseph a little bit, but when you look at a player like that, it's a, a kind of guy you can kind of lean on, right, and get oh, some definitely. inspiration from and advice and things like that. How's your relationship with him? I was actually surprised that, you know, Joe was able to – because he saw the talent in me too. So for him to still kind of, you know, help me on the side and and coach me up and and I ask questions, he's always there to answer them for me. I really appreciated that. And uh, I told him, I think Joe is the best mentor any young player could ever ask for. He's not going to not help you. He'll answer any question you have and he'll work with you, you know, outside of the field and the facility and – He's even offered to invite me over, you know, to his house. I haven't been yet, obviously, but, uh, man, Joe's a good dude. And it's not even just Joe. You know, Aaron Colvin, mm-hmm. I've, I've really, like the vets, I've really, you know, picked their brand. And Gip just got here, but I'm really picking his brain, too. He's been in the league eight years. You know, we yeah. just got him from Jacksonville. So I'm being a sponge, just absorbing all the knowledge I can gain and just take off with it. All right, you ready for some either wars? I'm ready. It's very simple. I'm ready. It's very simple. You NBA fan? Yes, sir. Okay, good. Clay Thompson or Steph Curry? I'm gonna go uh, Clay Thompson. Okay, I like it. See, defensive guys are picking. Yeah, are defense, picking Clay yeah, Thompson. Yeah. Yep, I like it. 
All right. Now, as a DB, you're not going to do any of these, but I'm sure in high school you did this at some point. Okay. Either throw a touchdown, catch a touchdown, or run for a touchdown. Well, I've I've done catching yeah. touchdowns, and that I feel like that's a very special feeling. So I'm gonna have to go catching touchdowns. Okay. All right. Road trip outfit, either sequin tuxedo or Western boots camo jacket. <laughs> tuxedo. Okay. Tuxedo. Tuxedo. All right. By the way, I'm picking the tuxedo too. If you're yeah. wondering, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's why I made the choices hard. Uh, the song "Old Town Road," yeah. either country or hip hop. That's country. Come on. There we now. go. There we it's go. The Billy Ray Cyrus thing. That's country. Yeah. Uh, okay. Last one. You have dinner for three. You and either Kim and Kanye or Jay Z and Beyonce. Jay Z and Beyonce. Yeah. See, I got to change that question. That's, That's a sweep. Easy. That's too easy. That's that was very too good. easy. Okay. What about Russell Wilson and Sierra or Jay Z Beyonce? A little tougher now. Yeah, well, because was, they want to pick his tough. brain about football. Yeah. Right? But if it weren't for that, probably still Beyonce and Jay-Z. I'd, I'd probably still choose Jay-Z and Beyonce. Yeah, okay. I mean, yeah that's a rare yeah, opportunity. Not he, bringing could, much... he could call Russell Wilson right now no, and go out to true. dinner. Maybe. That's true. Not yeah. Sierra's not uh, had yeah. much to the dinner, but Beyonce at dinner, that'd be kind of nice. Hey, thanks a lot for being with us. Good I luck. I appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Well, that's Jermaine Kelly. And, John, I said it earlier, he's kind of a forgotten man in this whole cornerback mix because we talk about Bradley Roby acquired in free agency and you talk about the draft choices, but – Kelly might turn out to be a very pleasant surprise for this team. A lot of guys benefit, even though it's unfortunate they get hurt. But if they're around the building for a year and they've been through some things anyway in the offseason prior to that year of injury recovery, that might actually help them mature a little bit, look around, see what they need to do, and hit the ground running in year two. Nick Martin kind of did that. Your thoughts? Yeah, one of the things, I I guess, whether the player wants this or not, it takes the pressure off a little bit. Mm -hmm. You kind of learn everything at your own rate. Yeah, where everything is, learn a defense. You don't have to go out on the field and and disprove that or or you know, prove that you're the guy or disprove that you're not, whatever the case might be. You just have an opportunity to kind of step back, gather a little bit of perspective, realize how much you missed, how much you missed the game, and go back out the second year and try and put it all together. Look, some guys, I, I it'd be curious for guys that that's happened to, especially a seventh rounder like Jermaine. Sometimes being a seventh rounder, I mean, there's no guarantee you're going to make the roster, mm-hmm. but you at least stick around for a year. So you learn yeah. things. You learn where everything is. You learn defense. You learn all that. You go into your second year, maybe you've got a better opportunity to make the team in your second year because you have all that going for you because you've you've done all that in the year that you spent on IR. So I'm not saying that that's the way I'd want it to go, but I would have loved to have had him last year yeah. for sure because we needed him last year. But I do think going into a second year – yeah, it's not the second year on the field, but you're that further. You're that much further ahead than the rookies because you spent that year diving into the playbook and doing all those things. And that's the one thing that Jermaine's gonna have to get past. It was one of the kind of the knocks on him in college, be it at Washington or San Jose State, were injuries. He's gonna have to get past all that. And if he does, he's a good-looking guy. I mean, just on the hoof, just how he looks. I don't think he's got any body fat whatsoever. Can he run and cover? That's that's going to be the key. We really didn't have a chance to see whether he could do that in year one. So if he can do that in year two, 
Come on, everybody to the party. Let's go. We'll be monitoring his progress closely. Okay, coming up, we've got a few special things for you. First, I want to remind you about Mike Devlin's football camp coming up this weekend. Bill O'Brien's going to be there. A bunch of players will be there. It's at St. Thomas High School Saturday, 8.30 to 12.30. It's 100 bucks. Proceeds go to Special Olympics. All the proceeds go to Special Olympics. There's a bunch of fun stuff going on, so go ahead and... Check it out at DevlinFootballCamps.com for more information on Mike Devlin's football camp Saturday at St. Thomas High School. Proceeds benefit Special Olympics, DevlinFootballCamps.com. What's the highest quarterback rating the Texans have ever gotten in a game? Who are the highest rated quarterbacks consistently? We'll go over some of the historical performances. This inspired by the Bart Starr all-time playoff quarterback rating in history, and that got me thinking about quarterback rating plus The Browns player who fudged his way, kind of bluffed his way into a tryout and a spot on the 90-man roster. Let's discuss all this and more on Texans All-Access. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you, Texans All-Access. As we continue, we were talking about Bart Starr having the all-time leading playoff passer rating. All-time leading playoff passer rating over Joe Montana, over Tom Brady. That's incredible. The late Bart Starr passed away over the weekend, of course. So that got me thinking, what about quarterback rating for Texans performances, Texans QBs of note, like Matt Schaub, David Carr, Deshaun Watson, Sage Rosenfels, Ryan Fitzpatrick, TJ Yates, guys like this. Yeah. Brock Osweiler, who, by the way, never got over 100 in a quarterback rating Mm -hmm. in a game for the Texans. And water is wet. Yeah. Uh, yeah. uh, Got over 90 only twice. So the feelings that were experienced during some of his performances metrically were warranted that he just wasn't really getting over the hump statistically exactly. So what is the greatest passer rating any Texans ever had in a game? Okay, here's the one I think. What's the minimum of attempts in this category? Because at first, I I researched this, by the way. So I was thinking 25, but if you take it down to 20. Deshaun. It's just it's the shot against Miami, right? On Thursday night, yeah, it was one fifty six. <laughs> Perfect rating <laughs> because he was sixteen for twenty with five <laughs> touchdowns and no interceptions. So one fifty six is pretty good. This just in, yeah, one fifty eight point three is a perfect rating, right? That's a perfect rating. I don't know why he didn't get perfect. Maybe the yards per attempt were a little off for perfection. I don't know. What was Shops? All right, so Shab, it's it's funny because I was wondering, what is it going to be? It's a game that I don't remember well. This is 08. This is the Hurricane Heart and Hurricane yeah. uh, Ike year, and this is the Shab beats Miami with the fourth and ten to Andre Johnson yeah. over Jeremiah Bell. Then he runs it in. Yeah, yeah. And the next week is Rosenfels, Rosencopter. Okay. Oh. Shab, yeah. Because Shab missed that game because he had a virus, and then Shab comes back and they beat Cincinnati at home that year and Schaub puts up a 144 but wait if I'm gonna go 20 attempts or that's 25 attempts or more okay he had a game with 23 attempts where they beat Tennessee in lopsided fashion in 2011 this really got the winning streak rolling for them uh, that year they got a seven game winning streak going and he posted a 147, and that was Arian Foster with a 80-plus yard, or no, 78-yard touchdown reception. They had a number yeah, of yeah, good yeah. plays in that game, and he also had a pretty high rating against the Titans in 2009 
in week two in that wild game in which they beat the Titans. At Tennessee. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That was 09. Is that the one Andre caught? That was that one, yeah. The one in the back end zone, mm-hmm. he kind of reached up. And that was uh, Mario Williams in the Titans bench area going nuts. Or was the Titan over there? I don't know. That yeah. was um, Mawai battling it out with uh, Scanina for a ball late in the game after <laughs> after a fumble. <laughs> By Kerry Collins. Those two guys would have fought to the death. Yeah. I mean, that was pretty cool stuff. That was a great, fun game and a win, so that was nice. You have to go with 20 attempts. So let's go with 20 attempts. So, Shab, it was 147 against Tennessee on the road in 2011. Because the other game against Tennessee was here in the season finale. What was Davids? Davids was, this is weird. David didn't have too many highly quarterback rated games. Right. It was in a loss. In Gary Kubiak's second game, and he posted a 140 at Indianapolis in a blowout loss. Quarterback rating was 143 touchdowns, no picks, only four sacks. But the defense got boat raced by Peyton Manning yeah. that day. And I got the championship I didn't look team. at the whole flow of the game, but I feel like uh, I feel like it was an early lead by the. Indianapolis Colts at the RCA Dome. Was it the RCA Dome? Yeah, it was. It yeah. was 2006. Yep. So it was the RCA Dome, and they got a couple of late TDs to make it look a little bit better. But a 140 by Carr. Now, Fitzy, I thought he was going to have the record when I was going through this because I saved yeah. Watson for last because I thought Watson against New England, no, that's not going to be it, either one. Watson against Seattle, no, that's not going to be it, either one. He threw a pick six in that game. Not that the six hurts you in the quarterback rating department. But um, so I, I looked at Fitzy and I thought this might hold it. 147.5. And as we all remember, Tennessee. T- t- how about the Titans coming up multiple times in yeah. this deal? Because Watson had a really high one against the Titans in the blowout win in 2017. The 57 to oh, 14. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, Fitzy, a 147.5 with six touchdown passes, no interceptions in 2014. That was his comeback game. Yes, in his first game back as the starter. I mean, Fitzy. In the first game back. That, what is it about that guy? What you should have looked up is what was Fitzy's in the 05 game when he beat the Texans. I should have looked that up, right. and I can look that up pretty quickly. But you know what? That year, all right, so maybe the following year, was that the Jet year in 2015 when Fitzy goes, yeah, he goes to the Jets. He goes, to, yeah, yeah. And they go 10 and 6. Yes. Yeah, I mean, because he has we a, played him here. He has a bad game in the finale. Mm-hmm. And that cost him the playoff. They played, it, I think they played Buffalo. They played Buffalo. Mm-hmm. He, and that was, the, you know, mm-hmm. this game means a lot to me. Yep. It worked for the Texans here at NRG mm-hmm. Stadium, but not so much for the Jets up in western New York. Uh, you know, all right. So Sage Rosenfels, I thought Sage it, had some good games. He I did. Think, I think that's one of the things that over the years will get lost is that Sage had some excellent games. The one that I remember more than any others was that Denver Thursday night game. That was wearing a, the ketchup that, bottles. That was hey. He had two wins in a row. Tampa on a Sunday, mm-hmm. and then they played Denver on a Thursday. And I think Darius Walker started both at running back yes. from Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they were running the Kubiak system. If you look at, and I remember this well because I made a demo tape for the from the TV copy, matched up with the radio call just in case I ever needed it. Yeah, of the opening drives of each of those games, and they were just perfect drives. They were perfect Kubiak scripted drives yeah. with Rosenfels running the bootleg, and they mm-hmm. ran a little, they threw a little, and it's just gorgeous stuff. And yeah, beating Denver that that Thursday night, they went seven and seven at the time. That was the latest at the time they were ever five hundred. It's the last time wearing the ketchup bottles. 
I, it's a I good think question. So. It's a good question. The it all was. red, red tops, red bottoms. I want to say they did it another year, maybe two. All right, Roosevelt's 122 against Jacksonville in 07. In 07, yeah. That was Schaub's first year. Schaub missed a lot of the year getting banged up. And that was also the year that Sage went nuts with the come-from-behind performance that came up short against Tennessee. Yeah. That rating isn't quite as high because he threw a pick earlier in that game. But when you're looking at all-time quarterback ratings for the Texans, it's definitely Deshaun Watson against Miami this year. Thursday night football, five TDs, no picks, quarterback rating 156. And I wasn't sure if he was going to have it after I saw that Fitzy number, but he certainly does. Schaub's best season, 98.6 in 2009. He led the league in passing yards, went to the Pro Bowl, MVP of the Pro Bowl, but Watson, I mean, Watson just put up a 103. Now, I know quarterback ratings are higher now. Like I said, it's like the Dow Jones. They keep going up. Yeah. But Watson has the best in both categories, season and single game. So second, figure. Second year in the league, coming yeah. off an ACL tear, sacks yep. 62 times. Yeah, that's, and, that's phenomenal. And, and this is why, like, we talk about what can improve for the Texans. A lot of things, obviously. You can always get better. But – a healthy Watson. I mean, you got to keep him healthy. You know, yeah. The fans know this. Everybody knows this. You got to keep him healthy. But how hurt was he? And how did that affect certain things at certain times, despite the fact that they were winning nine in a row? Right. You know? Right. Because everyone said, well, the offense should look better. Well, really, should they when your quarterback is playing with a collapsed lung? I'm not right. so sure. But anyway, they were able to win those games. Okay, a couple of other things. What about the Cleveland Browns? I love this story so much. And it's a don't try this at home, folks, kind of story. But Damon Sheehy Giuseppe, who said at a workout that he knew Alonzo Highsmith of the Browns and worked his way into a workout that way. He was not invited to this workout, but he said he knew him. Yeah, I know Lonzo. So he ends up, it's at a tryout in Florida. He ends up running a 4-3-8 in the 40. He gets invited to Cleveland to try out up there. By the way, he made sure that he shook Alonzo Highsmith's hand yeah. so he could say, now I know him, and he was right. It wasn't lying anymore, but or fudging it. He goes to Cleveland, does well. He's on the 90-man roster right now. And he went to Phoenix College. What is that? What is Phoenix College? I think it's a junior college. I guess. It's not the University of Phoenix. It's not the University of Phoenix because I don't know how that how they would put together a football team, which would be very interesting. They could do a fantasy football team. They, they could do uh, There's uh, no doubt. They could do gaming. First of all, if you say to anybody, this, he must have done some research. Yeah. I don't know the millions of people that could go, yeah, yeah, I know Alonzo. I mean, everybody knows Alonzo. Everybody knows Alonzo. Alonzo seems yeah. to know everybody. I got to I got to meet him when he was living here as a uh, he was a scout executive with the Packers, and so I got to know him. I met him at John Granado's house. Yeah. I mean, ages ago, and we hit it off right away because we had all these hurricanes yeah, connections. Of course, and he had. I don't know if you saw this. Uh, Bruce Feldman did a great article on Manny Diaz at the University of Miami. Yeah, and and they were trying to. Can they ever find the swagger again? That was the whole thing. Can they find the swagger again? Oh, gosh. And so Manny Diaz interviewed Alonzo Highsmith and got the definition of swagger. Mm-hmm. It was phenomenal. It was phenomenal because it was so completely not what you would expect. Oh, really? It was, so, it was essentially along Paraphrase the lines of for me. swagger is essentially going out on the field when there are no coaches there, running another two gassers after practice, 
making sure that with no coaches there that you're doing the right things all the time, doing the things that are yeah, not It's seen. not being tough right. and not being able to back it up. Right. It's People doing misinterpret all the little, it. It's doing all the little I things love that. that you have to do. It was, it was a phenomenal quote. But everybody knows Alonzo. So this guy's saying that, yeah, I know Alonzo. I'm sure they were like, oh, okay, well, come on in. Then he runs a 4-3-8. Yeah. That's phenomenal. I, uh, I don't know that I've ever bluffed anybody like that, but you have. Well, I, I kind of did. Uh, my first full-time radio job was in Clearfield, Pennsylvania, which I've, I've talked about this place a yeah. lot. It's in the middle of nowhere, the mountains in central western Pennsylvania. Still about 50 minutes to an hour away from State College, but it feels farther than that when you yeah. live there. Anyway... You're in the mountains, so the radio station is actually really cool. It's a town of maybe 10,000 people, but this, but with all the mountains, you don't get too many signals in there. So when you're on the station, the sh- they probably have an 80 share in the town. You know, yeah. you are an automatic known commodity in the town. Anyway, I get the job there. All I want to do is sports, but they need they have a need for a DJ and news guy. I'm like, I do all that stuff. So I made them a demo tape. Now, Johnny, I had never been a DJ before, but. I had a four-track recorder because I'm a musician, so yeah. I made a hell of a demo tape. I'm like, oh, that was Stevie Nicks with, you know, like I, I <laughs> Stevie Nicks singing lead for Fleetwood Mac. We had next up Jackson Brown here, and you know, I did the whole thing, yeah, and yeah. and I talked up to the post, and uh, that's an industry term, but you know, you talk yeah. right up to the vocal, and it, yeah. that's how they wanted it, and I made it to, I, mwah, I made it exactly. <laughs> To what they would want, what yeah. they wanted to hear. And I had a newscast. I've never done a newscast. I've done sportscast, but, but, which is similar, okay? I could fudge my way through a newscast. So I did that. So my demo was perfect. My demo was perfect. That's I awesome. get the job. Now, we're talking like $250 a week, so let's not freak out yeah. here. But I got the job. And when I got there, you know, then there are the turntables, and I'm like, oh, boy, what do I do with these? I mean <laughs> – you know, like you know, because DJ turntables are a little bit different. Queuing yeah, up yeah. records, talking up the low vocal, playing the spots. You know, yeah. they thought I had done all this stuff, and so I'm, I'm asking the 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 guy who does the shift before me, like, all right, so uh, <laughs> how do you do this? <laughs> He's like, huh? I mean, this is the equivalent of like, how do you turn on the toaster? Okay, I mean, seriously, P- I, and luckily, luckily, this guy was really cool. Yeah. All right, you know, a week. Two weeks in, it's not going perfectly, okay? But, you know, maybe they hear some potential. The general manager and the program director pull me into the office, and they play me my demo tape. They're like, this is what we had in mind. So I knew. (laughs) I knew I was not pulling it off. He said, but we do like you, and we'll work with you. Let's go. So, you know, within a few days, I had the basics down, and and I just kept going. But I bluffed my way through that first couple of weeks because I wanted to – the best thing was I got to do sports, Yeah, you know, and I had to do all those other things in order to do what I really wanted to do. And by the way, side note, when I got there, the general manager was really the play-by-play guy for the high school games. He said, you can do the third quarter. I'm like, I moved from Boston to Clearfield, Pennsylvania to do the freaking third quarter of the football game. But I got to tell you, this is a good lesson for young kids. It was the best thing that ever happened to me because yeah. this guy was on me. He was actually a good play-by-play guy. And he his fa- his favorite was Gil Santos, who was doing Penn oh, State yeah. at the time. He did Penn State on the radio, and he was doing oh, the Patriots. Yeah, they used to fly Gil in to do Penn State. Anyway, he was on me. He would pick it up. You know, he's giving me all these hand signals, and, and really the energy was huge for this guy uh, to have that among other things, and, and he really got me better. It was it was a blessing that I only did the third quarter because I got to hear him, and I got him, to have him boss me around. Yeah. He was one of those guys, like a coach that you hate while you're playing for him, 
But afterwards, you'll love him because he made you better. And there are a lot of guys like that in life, yeah. a lot of teachers like that in life. Well, teaching, that's – I remember I, when I applied for my first teacher, I had never taught. My parents were both teachers. Mm-hmm. And so I put that in my cover letter to, to the principal, um, the, my, my late friend, Dale Reagan. I put that in the letter. I said, I've never taught before. I'm just going to be honest. I did not bluff my way through it. Yeah. They actually made me come and teach during my interview. Oh, and, very cool. And, That's and smart teach, on their part. And and go up there. And so they tell me to teach the graphing calculator. And I'm like, done. I got off the phone. I called my mom. I was like, Mom, I've never used a graphic calculator. In What's my a life. graphic calculator? Never used it. I spent all day in a Jacksonville hotel trying to learn how to do that thing. And then walked in like I knew what I was doing. Wait, wait. Give me the one-sentence definition of a graphic calculator. You essentially can graph parabolas and lines and all these different mathematical equations with a graphing calculator. Okay. You can make whatever all kinds you, of pictures. Whatever and, you say. Yeah. You can, draw, you can draw, uh, draw all these kind of different pictures. My mom used to take a graphic calculator and have her kids do a project and draw something with all the mathematical functions. She was way ahead. Look, of I know where the plus sign and the multiplication sign is. That's that, all I need to know. I, it took Thank me a you. while to find those things. So I, I didn't bluff my way through it. I was straight up honest about it, but... Man, that was uh, but <laughs> I love this brown story. I I do it's love so it. It's so good. It's so good. It's kind of fake it till you make it ish uh and and it's it you know, it's Bud Fox. It's find yeah. your way into the office somehow. It's find right. your way into the room somehow Get your and foot then in the door. and then you better make the most of it cuz right. you know, this could have failed spectacularly. But you know what? He would have had a great story no matter what. But what if it fails? I mean, who cares? It fails. He runs He's a on the 90 man right right now. He could write a book on this. I know. I mean, he, he runs a 4-8. Who cares? He walks out of there. Nobody knows who he is. Yeah. But he knows he can run. Yep. I'll go run a 4 I've got an asset that, that will warrant me yes. something. You will pay look. attention to me. Mm-hmm. You will pay. Alonzo will pay attention. And that's the thing about Alonzo. He can find talent anywhere. Yeah. Anywhere. I mean, he is he's one of the best talent evaluators. Like He would pick my brain about certain players, and I would talk about him, and I could just hear kind of in his breath like, yeah, yeah, he's pretty good, huh? You think he's pretty good? Okay. Can, I mean, he just the way that he handled it, he can find talent anywhere. Can he write? Because I want to read the book on the Browns after this thing fails. No, oh. just kidding, Alonzo. <laughs> uh, not, I hope it doesn't for your sake. But anyway, that's going to do it for tonight's show. Tomorrow we're going to be on the field at OTAs, and we'll give you a complete report. You'll hear from the head coach and a whole lot more tomorrow at 6. Have a great night, everyone, and go Texans.